Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Looking California Field, Minnesota. I am the Looking California portion of this uh, podcast. My name is Michael McCaffrey. I am sort of in Los Angeles, California. I mean, not at the moment, but that's where I'm usually stationed. And I am joined by the inimitable Barry Anderson. Barry, introduce yourself. Let everybody know who you are. Yeah, I'm Barry Anderson. I'm the uh, Feeling Minnesota part. I'm a director here based and and currently in Minnesota, waiting for the uh, Christmas holiday to descend upon us. So uh, there's ice on the lakes. There is uh, no snow on the ground. But if you go outside, you definitely know it is wintertime. Winter's here. It's here. And guess what, everybody? We're back. (laughs) We we are back. We had an experience extended uh it was a corona break. vacation there it was and uh due to some legal and <laughs> and uh family and work and issues we we had to take a little break but we are back everything's been straightened out uh and we want to thank our lawyers for that thank you guys and uh, so we are we're here and you know what we're going to talk about barry we're going to talk about something that I'm dying to talk about, that I know you're dying to talk about, that I know everybody is dying to hear us talk about. We are going to talk about The Queen's Gambit, the miniseries on Netflix that is all the rage. And this is going to be our first, this is our first TV yeah, discussion. This is our first, this is our first uh, modern storytelling of what I think the future is going to look like. Uh, wow. Miniseries. Less movies, less actual series, more made-for-TV epic uh, storytelling. Love it. I love it. So, yeah, we're kicking off. This is technically our, our 2021 season. We're starting a bit early, and we're yep. starting with a television show. So, people, changes are coming. You have to adapt with us. <laughs> you know, we're growing, we're expanding, and both of our listeners are going to love this. Yep. So, uh, The Queen's Gambit, as I said, it's a miniseries on Netflix, it is based on the book The Queen's Gambit by Walter Tevis, which is a book I've never read. I'm assuming Barry's never read because we're not those kinds of people who read things. Um, so it was created by Scott Frank and directed and written by Scott Frank. And it stars uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and uh, a whole cavalcade of other. It's quite a big cast. Um, there are seven episodes and they, their running time is between 45 and 67 minutes. And it originally was released on Netflix on October 23rd, 2020. So here we go. The basic premise of this show is uh, about a young woman. It's a quote unquote coming of age story. And it's a period drama, which, uh, uh, okay. And uh, it's set in the mid fifties and it follows this young woman as she becomes a chess uh, prodigy and then uh, champion and just a topsy turvy world of, lady chess and she's uh it's pretty interesting in in terms of if you're a chess person so i have to ask barry anderson because we haven't <laughs> talked about this and i'm dying to find out uh barry anderson from minnesota in the great cold white north what did you think of the queen's gambit well i'm gonna make you wait on the answer and i'm gonna tell you <laughs> oh. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell you a little bit of background that you may not know about me okay well, one of my first official jobs, and I, I can't remember exactly how old I was. I was probably 12 or 13. I was hired to be a chess teacher for a summer. And I got paid a stupid amount of money to basically play younger children and beat them in chess. <laughs> and I thought, 
to this day, it's one of my three favorite jobs I've ever had, both in terms of the amount of money I made, how much fun I had, and just like, this is crazy. So I was a chess junkie well before it became all the rage in 2020. And I find it hilarious that, you know, sales are up on, you know, Amazon, people are buying chess boards. And I love how people love watching people play chess. And they're like, I can do that. I can be smart like that. And then they play someone and they're like, I'm never playing chess again. So <laughs> it's cyclical. Chess always comes back. You had searching for Bobby Fisher. You have all this stuff that it's, it's, I think there's an, an ingrained desire to be smart and brilliant and be able to outthink people. So it, it, it taps into that. Um, but as you see in the series, um, it's really, really hard, <laughs> really, really hard. So yeah, this, this is, this is not uncharted territory for me. And I have to give my honest answer is I'm split on the series. Okay. I think that in terms of production design and the visual part of it, it is outstanding. In terms of the acting, I'd say it's you know, above average to pretty good. Some characters I, did, I thought were bad and then some were really good and some I just thought were so-so. And then in terms of the actual story, I'm perplexed and I don't know how much spoiler. I feel like we're long enough away that a lot of people have seen it. If you haven't seen it and don't want any spoilers, maybe now is the time to go watch Netflix and come back after the holidays and, and pick up this, uh, this episode. But I just thought it was a atypical story because there was very little stakes or tension. It was just a biding of time for the inevitable that I thought was very interesting and i don't know if i don't you know it's like so many things were well done and then there was just stuff that i was watching i'm like i don't understand why everyone's so invested in this because there's really it's just a point a to point b to point c and if you just wait long enough you get there and so i guess that's kind of my my high level we can dig in deeper but that's that's what i'm thinking so uh you tell me okay uh, what you great think. great thank you for tuning in everybody <laughs> Uh, I mean, I I haven't seen it. I did watch the trailer, and, and so I have a lot. Well, of then then you're you're like most mo most of the all time great uh, reviewers. You know, they <laughs> right. read a lot yeah. of them, and then they just go with it. Yeah, go with it. So yes, I watched this series. I watched every second of it, and I started off. I was like, "Huh, what's going on?" Episode one. It's a little weird, and I'm like, "Trying, you're trying." It takes a little bit to get in to the rhythm of it and then i got into the rhythm of it and i really really loved it i absolutely loved it i thought it was visually uh inventive yes um beautifully executed in terms of uh uh technical achievement and you know the i thought the costumes and the production design and everything was really really well done and it totally drew me in and the lead in it Anya Taylor-Joy um, is, is fantastic. She's a very beguiling presence um, in the show. And she's, I saw her in, uh, the first thing I saw her in was The Witch, which I think is maybe 2016. Okay. And it, The Witch is this excellent, excellent horror film that people should go watch. It's set during the, uh, the witch trial era in early American history. And uh, it's just, it's a really fascinating movie. So people should go see it. So I, 
I found her performance in this to be really, really great. And, and she really draws you in and she's a beautiful woman and very compelling um, actress. So I was on board and like was eagerly watching going episode to episode. I'd watch one a night, you know, I didn't binge it. So it was, it was nice. And then the final episode comes. <laughs> and this miniseries, which was very sophisticated, which was very, very professionally made and, and artistically relevant, the final episode is so horrible it absolutely ruined the entire miniseries for me. And it was such a disappointment because it's so trite. It is so banal and so mind-numbingly conventional and simplistic. It made me angry, which I know is a shock shocker for people. Shocker. People are really people surprised <laughs> that I'm angry about something. So, especially something as stupid as a TV show. So I, I couldn't believe the show had worked so hard to set itself up for that climax. And the conclusion was, was there. And it's just so easy and simple and dreadful. And it could have been so much more. And the problem with an ending like that, which, you know, we can get into the pieces of, is that it does undermine the entire experience. And the reason it makes me angry is that, you know, I've invested, uh, you know, whatever it is, six and a half or seven hours into watching this thing. And it's like, wait a minute, you can't finish this? You can't have the testicular fortitude to sort of, stay the course and, and, and finish this with some artistic relevance. Now, again, it's based on a book. I haven't read the book. So maybe the book is just as trite in its ending as the show. I assume it is. But the interesting thing is that this guy, Scott Frank, who created it, wrote it and directed it. Um, he's been nominated for a couple Oscars for writing. Yeah, he's got a really, really impressive long list of credits yeah, you know, he, he wrote Out of Sight, the Soderbergh movie from 98. He wrote Logan in 2017. Fantastic script. Great, great movie. Um, but what interested me is that the other TV show, that other miniseries that he created and executive produced and directed was Godless, which Godless was uh, on Netflix. And Godless is, was another show. And I didn't know this when I went into... Um, Queen's Gambit, Godless is another show that draws you in, it's really fascinating, and then it has this flaccid ending in which you walk away going, huh, why, why couldn't we sort of get the, the ball over the goal line on this one? What happened? You know, and I'm looking right now because I actually don't know. Um, let's see what the deal with Godless was. Uh, no, it's just, a, I thought maybe it was based on a book, but it's just an original. I think it was, yeah, I think it was original concept. Yeah, it's just original. And, uh, and so it's just interesting that this guy, Scott Frank, just couldn't close the deal on these two things, which is so interesting to me because 
I really loved Queen's Gambit until that final episode. And that's how terrible that final episode is. See, um, I, 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 I agree with you that the ending was a huge letdown and disappointment. However, I saw the impending letdown probably an episode or two earlier. I remember, I remember thinking, I can't remember after which precise episode, but I remember thinking, boy, there's no stakes. So there's, you know, there's no real, you know, every, every hurdle that they set up, you know that she's going to accomplish. So there's no real, like, will it, will it or won't it happen? And then it started to dawn on me that she's a little bit like what people uh, referred to, you know, the Seinfeld characters is just horribly unlikable, mean, terrible people. And yet, why do you like them? And I kind of started to feel that way about the lead character that she was treating everybody poorly, including those that were behind her and support, like just a miserable, loathsome character with no, at the end, there was no growth. There was no like, oh, if I keep acting like this, this happens. It was like, no, all the good people will still rally around you, you know, you won't be, it, it, it just it it felt like even if you couldn't change the structure and say okay something else had to happen the interplay the dialogue that would have happened to, between them or you know in an, an event like for instance again spoiler alert but at the end when she's playing this other grandmaster chess guy even if he would have seen that his time was numbered as the grandmaster and that like he had a chance of losing like it was like he was happy that this young girl was going to come take it. I mean, it was just like, no, like <laughs> this is a guy that dedicated right. his entire life. And even though he can appreciate, there should have been a moment where he was like, you know, teaching her a lesson. And then if she did outsmart him, kind of that, huh? Like I, I, I'm not invincible. There was none of that. It was just like, everyone was just waiting, just waiting. It's all going to happen mm -hmm. as predetermined. And she was so, I just found myself wondering why the heck I'm so curious and rooting for this character that basically doesn't have that many obstacles and everybody that was tremendous around her was just being used or abused by her. And I was like, this is a weird thing for every, our whole country to fall in love with. Like, this is amazing. And I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, you know. Well, uh, here's why I liked it. And then I'll get into the final episode, but like, what I appreciated about it was that it certainly has a, a sort of cultural and, and political um, perspective, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. And I, I totally agree with that. It was, it was as much as you can expect in today's time, it was a story that of course, you know, women back in the fifties and what they were, you know, you're going to touch on things that are quote unquote political, but this was definitely like just people, and yeah. their lives and what they're trying to accomplish. And it, that's refreshing. I, I, yeah, I, I think everybody I agree. would need that. So I, I, I wholeheartedly back you that that is one of the strong highlights of the show. I agree. It was refreshing, and, and, but it wasn't ignored, but it, it wasn't like, uh, like I said, you didn't, they didn't bludgeon you with it. Um, and then it just draws you in. And the interesting part to me were, were twofold. The mental health angle and the substance abuse angle. And, you know, getting into that stuff, I thought was really interesting and, and added a, a great dimension to the story. And it, it allows the character to um, 
self-destruct and misbehave and, and harm others. And, and yet you can still give them a pass um, because it's like, oh, well, is she crazy? Is she a junkie? Whatever she is and all that. But the problem, all, all of the problems that you go into the final episode with, everything gets tied up with a, a neat little bow. So I remember, um, I, I've since seen it, but um, uh, a lady friend of mine uh, went and saw the movie um, Downton Abbey. Okay. And she came back from the movie and she said, um, oh, you know, I said, how is it? She said, well, it basically is just porn for, for Downton Abbey fans. Like, it's just, it gives you a, uh, there's nothing to resolve. It's just sort of like, hey, here are the same people. There's one obstacle placed in front of them that's minor in one episode, in one scene, and in the very next scene, it's taken away. Like, it's like, oh, that was easy. Because it's just people want to be with these characters for another hour and a half. Now, this, in, ep- in the final episode of this, it felt the same way. Like, she's a total disaster area. <laughs> you know, in episode five and six. Um, so much so that I had people telling me they weren't going to watch anymore after episode five. And I'm like, just stick with it. Okay. It's, <laughs> if it's too dark for you now, trust me, it'll lighten up considerably by the end. But in that last episode, I mean, there's, there are so many cringeworthy moments that you're like, oh my God. Like when all of her old boyfriends and the guys are all together in New York, yelling on a phone supporting her from across yes. halfway across the world and you're just like what are we doing right now this is no. so adolescent it's just it, it feels like some seventh grade play it's just brutal it, and here's the other thing before i forget because I, I have to bring this up so you talk about you know all these things get resolved in like the chess stuff and she has no obstacles and, and you sort of expect what's going to happen, which is true. But I kept thinking, oh, the artistic integrity that this show has had up until now, they're going to do something that is unconventional in this end to leave that a bad taste in your mouth, which is what I was hoping for. Well, and that, here's what that would here, have been here, amazing. But it was right just... here. And here are three things they could have done. <laughs> First of all, when she beats the Russian to become the world champion, you could have had this Russian who is, is not a character you get to know very well. You could have had him lose that final game and sort of whatever, submit or whatever he does. Um, but have him look at her and him know and her know that he could still win, but he's giving up. So he's letting her win for a variety of reasons. One, he just wants her to win. He wants this girl to succeed. Two, he doesn't like the pressure of being the greatest in the world and everything that the Soviet system lays upon him, et cetera, et cetera. It's his sort of mildly rebellious act that only he and her will know about because they're the only two who are good enough to get it. Now, he could have done that, and she wins the championship, and yet she knows she's not good enough to beat him. Correct. Now, if she's sitting in the taxi driving back to the airport after that happens, touchdown, right? This, yes. this show is worth I, it. I have, Two, I have goosebumps right now. I, right. I accept and, your new ending. Yes, and, and why they haven't approached me, they didn't approach me to write it, I don't know. <laughs> Netflix and I have a troubled history, obviously. Two, 
The other thing you could do, you could have the show be the exact same way. Everything's wonderful. She's great. She wins. And then she's riding to the airport. And then instead of stopping and playing chess with some people in a Russian park, she reaches into a purse and she takes out two pills and pops them in her mouth. Yes. Boom. All of a sudden, you realize it's not going to work out. Yeah. She's still a wreck and she's probably going to be dead in two years. Yeah. Or three... Everything happens the way it happens, but then you realize because they cut to she's basically in a coma and this whole wonderful Moscow trip has been her in a coma having a dream because she overdosed on these pills and drank too much. And then you're like, oh, okay, no wonder it's so trite and conventional and stupid (laughs) because it's a dream. God damn it. I'm all fired up again. Well, I I know I'm going to jump back to your 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 spoiler of the boyfriends on the phone oh, co- co- coaching <laughs> coaching her to the uh the the what moves should be made in her play and i i you know number one again it, it i mean it was so unbelievable and it felt like you know a saved by a bell episode um but the what i think they were trying to do is again i think it was a, a huge obstacle in doing anything about chess is twofold. Number one, you have to dumb it down enough where the average audience can actually follow what the hell's happening. And when something big happens, they can see it too. But number two, you got to make sure that anybody who has a mind for chess isn't watching going like, wait, that piece is in the wrong spot or that's not a move you can make. Or like, right. of course, nobody would do that even at like, you know, your church group that you're playing, you're like, well, if these are world class chess players. That's not, you know, no one's going to fall for that. So th- there's, there's this happy medium. And I think they were forced into a box of trying to make that interesting, trying to let people in on what's happening. And what's funny about it is they have them prep her prior to the match. Then they cut to the match. Now they have no dialogue <laughs> for what's happening during this gargantuan scene. And so now they're hung. You're watching it. You're waiting. You're waiting. And then, to me, the most egregious part of that whole sequence is when I think it was the photographer love interest guy. Oh, don't get me started on that guy. (laughs) And and they make a move, and he's just like, "Oh my god, he made a mistake." And it was like the dumbest, like you know, what do you call it in Shakespeare? The the uh, guy that tells the audience what's happening. Uh, (laughs) You know, it was it, it was so bad that to me, what would have been amazing. If you if you're stuck into that as your thing, what they should have been doing is they should have been prepping her, but then that should have been going over the actual mm-hmm. play. So then yeah. they're like, and then they could be going and they're like, and then they should just basically say like, if this happens, you know, they would either say like this doesn't happen or this can't happen or if that happens, I don't know what to do, and they haven't solved it yet. And then he makes the move, and so now she's sitting there with no prep. They didn't go over this scenario. Now the whole audience is like, oh, she's screwed, you know, and you could set all that up, use the same things, but not have to cut back to the audience going like, oh, he made a mistake. I'm like, he did? What happened? And it's just, it's so, it's just, it's like an amateur, it, it just cheapens the whole thing. And that whole sequence was just, oh, it just, it makes my skin crawl uh, because it, 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 nothing, I mean, she didn't seem like a great chess player. He didn't seem like a great chess player. He seemed like he had zero fire to like be a champion. He didn't have a fire against his country. He didn't have a fire for his country. He didn't like, he was just like 
I, he felt like Santa Claus, just a dude who was blissfully happy doing whatever in the corner. And you're yeah. just like this, I, he didn't, he didn't come across. There was no tension or bonding or understanding between her and him. And it just was all lost. And I think you could have been doing that the whole time, building it up. And they said, well, you know, I don't know what to do if he does that move. Boom. He drops it. And now everyone else doesn't matter. All the prep doesn't matter. It's just mono, mono sitting there, you know, these two chess wizards. And then again, if you spun it back and, you know, he, he forfeits and she admits later, like, you know, there was, a, <laughs> he, he could have won, you know, that would have just driven you crazy. So, I mean, I just, oh, I just feel like it was just a paint by numbers yes. done yeah. on a really, really, really unbelievable. I feel like this is the movie where every department shines. Makeup, costume, art direction, production, cinematography, light, like everything across the board was at the top of their games. It's a showpiece for everyone in the show, except for, you know, the writing and directing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, oh, you're so close. And it just feels like there were so many things that were so close that I think sometimes I, I have a, a bigger tolerance. Like if it's just not going well as a project and I'm just finding things to like about it, I'm not as bothered. I think the reason I'm so irritated by this is it's like, oh my gosh, like the other team threw a Hail Mary and stole it at the last second, as opposed yeah. to you just, if I would have been beaten by 40, fine. Okay. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> as invested. Right. I'll appreciate it for what it was, but I'm like, this could have been, you know, one of the all time like memorable shows. Like this was, this had totally meat on the bones and I feel like they cheated us out of that. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's just, it's such a wasted opportunity because they, all the work and all the, the time and all, all the things they do really well leading up to that last episode just get, you know, thrown out. You and know, I it's think the baby the, in the bathwater. It's so curious because so much of it is so well done. Yeah. Usually you see things and you're like, okay, well, they don't really know what they have, but like they knew what they had at almost every turn, which is what made it so befuddling. I mean, I, I, I go back and forth. The movie at the beginning felt, I don't know if we talked about this in any previous podcasts. I bring it up often. Do you remember the Denzel Washington movie Flight? Yes. So that movie befuddles me because A, Robert Zemeckis has done some pretty amazing things. Um, Flight not being one of them. Um, but I know that they basically wanted to make an after movie, after school special that was anti-drug. And that movie... After seeing that movie, I'm like, I'm going to take up smoking crack cocaine uh, because apparently you become a superhero, can fly planes upside down and do things no other mere mortal can. So like it had the opposite effect of like, it wasn't a deterrent. And at the beginning half of this series, it felt like drugs were the good choice because yeah. it, it raises you to these epic levels. And so I was like, hmm, I'm like this is a dangerous thing to be showing to younger children being like, hey, you might be good, but you can supersize all of your skill set if you do drugs. And so then well, it became interesting when she started dating the one guy that took it out of her life. There was never, I never felt like they, they did the transitions from why she was struggling with drugs to when she was off drugs and she was off drugs. Then when she came back to being on drugs, it was just like, I'm going to go back on drugs. You know, it was, like you didn't have any of the nagging, like, she was missing something or there was a mm -hmm. journey going through. It was just kind of like, now's the time in the story that she needs to be on drugs. So let's have a scene where she's on drugs. 
now let's go for an extended period where she's not on drugs. And it felt very much like a plot device than it was the character making decisions and struggling. And I think that would have been far more interesting, again, going back to your other alternate endings, if you knew that ultimately, if in her mind and or reality, the drugs were tied both to destruction of everything on a personal level with also the heights of her career. Bingo. Then when she takes it, you know that she doesn't care about her personal destruction. She just right. needs that. And it's sad and tragic. But if it's just like, sometimes I can take them and do well, and sometimes I don't need them, then there's no, what are you rooting for? It doesn't, it doesn't right. matter if she's on drugs, off drugs. There's no real, she's still well, that, terrible. And that's, <laughs> that's what that final episode reveals, is that she gets off drugs and drinking. And it's like a snap of the fingers thing. And it's like, well, okay. I mean, here's this thing that she's been saddled with her whole life. And it just yeah, goes just away. Go, yeah, just poof. Right? And point. that's, first of all, it's ridiculous, you know. But secondly, <laughs> it just in terms of drama, it's just so cheap. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. What about if she gets off it? And, and that's another alternative ending. She finally gets off these drugs because it's killing her and she wants to live a life and be happy and all these things. But she loses. Correct. Or I right? mean, and, I mean and she has to embrace that. You know? let's, let's, riff, let's riff this as well. I don't think this is necessarily a good idea. But if you're having that struggle between her and the guy and she's clean and she's not sure she can beat him and then it looks like she's like beating him and then what happens if he takes out a pill? And then he chooses to take one and she doesn't. You know, I mean, right. I think there's all kinds of things that you could be like, oh, is this a common struggle for people? Like, I mean, there's just so many layers you could have put in. And instead of layers, they were just like, on page 87, she is on drugs. On page 97, right. she's not on drugs. And it right. just takes away. To me, there's no journey and no investment into the stakes. And that's why I said from the beginning, I never felt there were stakes. I enjoyed the journey we were going on because the world was so well done and the people were fascinating and the stuff I was looking at was just incredible. But it was like, I never worried. Like when she would call the school, when her mom would get her out, there was never a worry that she was getting in trouble with school or there was consequences for that. So right. like, right. okay, that doesn't matter. Like, and then, then the, like she has to suddenly have money and she has money, but you're like, I have no context to how much money they have. Is money right. an issue or now is it solved and now they're rich? I don't know. It was just like whenever something was needed, it was there. But I didn't know like was that the last 50 bucks they had or do they have a million dollars now in the bank that in like money is of no issue. And so all of those pivot points just became, I think early on because you were interested, you just kind of checked the box like, oh, I don't, I guess I don't need to know about that. And then later on you're like, oh wait, I kind of need to know about that because all this builds. And so I need to know what bags are too heavy, what bags need more stuff in that's not there as you get to the climax and you realize like, yeah, my backpack's had a hole in it and there's nothing in there. So we're just going to make up stuff here at the end. And I think that's why you felt like cheated. Felt like you had the work of working out and getting ready for a game. And then they just called off the game at the end and they just awarded a winner. And you're like, wait, <laughs> we did right. the work. I want that satis satisfaction of uh, achieving something. And and you earlier in this uh, glorious podcast, this return to <laughs> podcasting, um, you mentioned the boyfriend who, or not the boyfriend, but the friend who's in the audience yes. at the big finale. And he Hang says, on, he you want me to repeat up. it again? Oh, he screwed <laughs> up. There we go. 
<laughs> I mean, which is I mean, a perfect anywhere. line reading. Yeah, perfect yeah. line. Well, that character's name is Towns, and he's a. It's. I'm reading from Wikipedia now. You're welcome, America. Towns, a fellow chess player for whom Beth develops an unrequited love. Um, that character is so awful. It every single second he's on screen, I wanted to light myself on fire. And that actor, who I'm Jacob Fortune Lloyd, which is one hell of a name, um, I want to punch him right in the face every time. If I ever meet that guy, I'm just going to punch him, and he's not going to know why. And it's, I don't blame him personally. He just has the most punchable face I've seen in recent years. And we've had a lot of punchable faces out there. And that character is so awful. Now, it's like, oh, he's gay. Oh, no, he isn't. Wait, is he gay? What's going on? I don't know. And it's like, what, what are we even doing with this junk? Like, it's so ridiculous and contrived. And that actor is just brutal, especially in that final episode. My God, just horrendous and anyway in, in, in I'll, his, I'll get off that guy's back in his, for a second. in his defense the writing and what he was tasked to do in the final one definitely <laughs> did him no favors in terms of having anything to work with like as a director if i'm directing scenes like that with an actor i immediately go up and be like well you've been asked the impossible <laughs> these are our limitations but we can't fix let's find something within this that we can work with because he was just hung out to dry like, can you make sure to say stupid things during the climax that everyone's going to hate you for? Well, I guess I can. I'd rather not. But you're like, well, that's what it is. Well, I mean, obviously, I've worked with actors working on material even worse than that. God help us. And I, the same, I tell them the same thing every time. I always say, listen, this is what you do. You get in your car. You drive. You go out into the desert. You leave all your possessions, your wallet, your ID, everything in the car. And then you just start walking. And that's it. We'll never see you again. And you don't have to do the stupid goddamn TV show where you say stupid things. So leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. Go away. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't believe how terrible. And it's like, what sort of, why is there an unrequited love between the two of them? There was no sort of chemistry or anything. It's just, it's bizarre. It's you know, weird. See, were you watching the same show? This is a show about a woman who every guy that she was remotely attracted to slept with her, except for him. That's why it was unrequited love. Well, okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, um, that, was, that was the whole premise of the No, movie. it's true. Whatever. I mean, I get it. I mean, um, literally, I think she's the only thing that she wanted that she didn't get in the entire movie. She is the biggest obstacle that she faced <laughs> in the movie. And she really didn't give a you know, two cents either way. You know, it's kind of like, I'd like him. Oh, I, okay, I'm fine without. You're like, oh, that was it. Well, that brings us to uh, Anya Taylor Joy, who, um, as I said before, I thought she was great in it. So I'm going to try and find some silver linings to the I mean, to the I, show. I feel like we've been we're we're being harsh. Well, I think we're being accurate, not being harsh. I think it's a worthwhile thing to watch. Like it is really well done, and I want to support the people who did well. It's just. The asterisks of if you're looking for the purest form of art, they missed on a few key things near the end of the series. So well, particularly wanna... like on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 99% critical score and a 95% audience score. And I, it, you know, as as anybody who's ever read my writing will know, 
I, I'm not a fan of most critics because I think they're full of shit. Yeah. And this movie, this this show, this miniseries, it, it's it's entertaining to a point. It could have been so much more, yep. but it's not ninety nine percent wonderful. No, I mean, I, I you know, it's also not zero. I mean, I mean, the, I, I would I would recommend this to friends. This is something where if people are looking for something, I'd be like, hey, you should check this out. And if they're just, you know, if they're just looking to turn off their brain and they don't really, you know, I have friends that don't really want to get too deep into the weeds with, you know, I don't care if it's any good. Am I going to be entertained? Those people, they have something. And then conversely, those that are into the art form, I'll just give them a little caveat saying, well, you know, they make some mistakes, but enjoy it for what it is and, and, and live with that. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I is like, that's better than, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, you know, Citizen Kane. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not at that level. Right. Yeah, I, w- I would rate it in the 60s, personally, um, because that final episode is so dreadful and, and it ruins everything else. Um, but anyway, the point I was going to make is about Anya Taylor-Joy because I want to try and be, as her name implies, joyful. Um, yeah. I think she's terrific in it. And I think, I don't even know how old she is. I think she's relatively young. She's, uh, she's 24. She's going to be a big deal. And she's a very, very, very good actress. And she's beautiful, but she's not too beautiful. So she's approachable. And she's going to be gigantic. And uh, we need to get used to that fact because... She's going to just jump into <laughs> big movies and stuff. And hopefully it goes well for her because I think she's deserving. She's, as I said, she's very talented and uh, she does a wonderful job here. That's not always easy. You know, she didn't write the finale, but like she has a lot of ups and downs and a lot of weird sort of twists and turns her character takes. And she has to be appealing and yet believable. And I think she's, she does that. And she has a certain grounding to her that's um, impressive to behold, especially for somebody so young. And I thought the same of her in Witch, um, which is, uh, again, I think from 2016 or something. And uh, let me look it up. Here we go. The Witch, 2015. Yeah. I recognize her from the most recent Emma that came out right before the pandemic. Yes, Uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. uh, Well... If you if you want to pot about it sometime, but I, it's very similar to this in the fact that it's stunning production design, everything looks great, but uh, I think some of the writing is sketchy. Well, there you go. All right, we don't have to pot about it now. Yeah, great. Um, so, bright side, Anya Taylor Joy is a joy to behold and, and nice to spend seven hours with. I really wish they would have. Man, that the ending, God, it kills me. It just kills me. And the funny thing is, is why it's so successful is sort of intriguing to me. And because you say, as you say, I think this is true. Chess comes around every once in a while. Yeah. It, and it, becomes, it, it, people get, you know, interested in it. And it's intriguing because it's, you know, this sort of uh, niche thing and intellectual and people want to think they're smart. Um, but, I also feel like people just wanted what the reason I dislike the show is the reason other people like it because we're in this sort of dark time and, you know, the election and 
the 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 covid and all the bullshit that's going on in the world is making life pretty miserable um the show is conventional and it's like oh yay everything worked out and people just want shit to work out and of course you know that's fine but that's also not art as far as i'm concerned it's it's more this sort of soft serve entertainment uh thing and so but i but i do think that's why people like it and people loved it i mean like just went crazy for it obviously 99 rotten tomatoes and it's like people just i think it's what you were talking about they just want to turn their brain off and have this sort of thing if you think about the recent history of all entertainment almost everything outside of maybe you know the marvel universe or something like that it's all been in your face whether it be politics or social consciousness like everything forces you to like engage and think and analyze and i don't think there's been something done of high quality i think that's part of the reason people flock to you know the really cheesy Christmas movies and Hallmark and stuff is they just want something to be like, I want something I don't have to think, but those ones, they're kind of embarrassed. Like, yeah, I know it's cheesy. And this was like, like I said, first rate, like the production design, everything is first class. And so it's something that you can brag about, be proud about, not have to hide. And you don't have to really do anything. You can just enjoy it for what it is. And I think there is a huge, huge pent up desire by the general consuming audience for some movies. I'm not saying all movies don't have to ever take on tackle anything big, but I do think that the pendulum had swung too far in the fact that people were just like, I just want to watch something I don't have to really do much about. And I just want to enjoy. And I think this kind of came and hit that sweet spot. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's a confluence of events and it just hits the sweet spot of like, Oh, it's, it's, uh, it makes me feel smart and it makes me feel like uh, it's important and it's beautiful to look at. And it, 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 and it is, I mean, it is beautifully shot. It's really well done in that sense. And, the, and, you know, people uh, I knew people who were just going crazy over the, the outfits, like yeah. just, just going nuts about the costumes and stuff. And when you know, when stuff like that is happening, that like, people are latching on to stuff like that. It's like, Oh, okay. This is connecting for some reason that is a little bit beyond me, but, but think about it. I mean, you have, everything is canceled. I mean, you had no fashion shows. You had, you know, the big, whatever September Vogue issue. I don't know if that came out this year. You know, I think there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, fashion's an art and big business and people have been starved of that. They've been starved of, you know, so much that I think that this, in the way that, um, Stranger Things broke out a few years ago because it was something mm-hmm. kind of fun and new. That that had certain limitations on it because, like you know, my parents probably don't want to be like, oh, is there like a weird, you know, you know, other alien esque or supernatural? You know, right. This this literally was like, for the most part, it's not super offensive. You can kind of watch it with a fairly, you know, you can watch it with your grandma or your teenage kids. It it was like dark enough where it wasn't like saccharine but it wasn't too dark or, or, or push any boundaries that would, you know, take it out of the quadrant of someone. So I really think it was a very broad based 
pal- palatable and consumable product that made it fun to talk about something. And I think, I think people are missing water cooler talk. And I think this definitely was the water cooler bonding experience for 2020. Yeah, that's well said. I think that that's very true. It, it was a bonding experience for people. And uh, because, you know, we just haven't had that, obviously. Uh, but, you know, well, hopefully we'll have some more because we are now in season two of Looking California, Field Minnesota. <laughs> and big things, we, we, big things big coming, things people. Come. Big things. And you, just everybody buckle up because we have so much more to talk about. Um, we, we do. And I, uh, I just, um, people are going to get so tired of me being angry. <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'll be your foil. I'll be really happy about no. stuff. Even if I'm not. God help us. Um, all right. So any final thoughts on the Queens Gambit? I mean, I, I, I think and I'll just recap. I think people it's worth their time to watch it, enjoy it for what it is. But I also, when people, I don't want to take away joy if they just like it for what it is. But sometimes when people come to me and ask like, well, why, why didn't you like it as much as me? Just educating enough where you can see how things could be better. You know, I always like that. You know, if I, if I think a painting's great, but someone's like, well, and they explain something about it, you're like, oh, okay, I understand more what could be done with the art form. And I always want the art form to be better than it is. You know, that's always what we're striving for. Yeah. So it's not done in an angry or like a spiteful or like these people screwed up. I just feel like man alive, this could have been a grand slam. And as it stands, you know, it's a nice triple. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'd say it's uh double. I know you're going to round down. I know I, I would. Negativity. No, I, I, I'd the base hit. It's a single. <laughs> oh, okay. My, okay. It, man, it, you got it. Yeah. With, have you with watched what's out episode, there, man? There's nothing well, out no. there. Well, oh, okay. Well, if, if we're grading another, on a bell curve, no, there's another mini series we're going to talk about, so I won't even bring it okay. up now. But um, it this is the, it, it, this is a hit. Like it's a it's a you're on base. It's not a walk. It's not a yeah. hit by pitch. It's a base hit. Maybe you know you could get to second on a throwing error, but it's it's that last episode just killed me. Oh my god. Well, then I think I think I'm going to restate instead of we'll get rid of baseball analogies. Mike says. There's seven episodes. Watch six and enjoy. That's just enjoy. Turn, don't even tune in to episode seven. Just listen to this and be like, oh, wow, yeah, that's a good idea. She, uh, she oh. it pops pills or the, the guy gives up and she knows she won, but she didn't really. Just, well, just pretend. Just tell people before they, before they start watching it, just go to the last episode, hit play before they go to bed the night before they want to watch it so it plays. So when they go and watch from one to six – when it gets to seven, it won't autoplay it. It'll just be like, oh, you've oh. already seen this one, and it'll just skip to another one. So that's, oh, that's some, my, my Some tip. technical advice from Wizard Barry over here. <laughs> How about that? Uh, cheating the old Netflix. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Queen's Gambit. Barry liked it better than I did. Uh, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Um, bad final episode, people. I just, I'm going to say it again. You screwed up the ending. You didn't land the ending. You did not stick you, the oh, You didn't stick the landing, you bastards. Uh, all right, so that's it. I've been Mike McCaffrey. This is Barry Anderson. This has been Looking California Field, Minnesota. The Queen's Gambit Edition. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.